Welcome to episode 37 of the GT on 5G. It's the latest inside scoop on everything 5G. We cover six topics in about 15 minutes and it's brought to you by more insights and strategy. I'm Will Townsend and joining me again this week is my fellow analyst, Anshul Sachs. So let's get started. My first topic is around earnings. And so over the last week, AT&T and Verizon reported earnings. So from AT&T's perspective, a couple of highlights, they noted 800,000 net new postpaid subscribers, which is a decade record. Um, and they also saw positive uh, revenue growth, uh, even given um, the challenges with COVID-19 and the pandemic. Uh, Verizon, on the other hand, um, from my perspective, um, a little bit weaker. Um, they actually lost ground in subscribers, um, although revenue, I believe, met expectations. And, you know, uh, T-Mobile will be reporting earnings uh, on February 4th next week. Uh, you know, one of my hypotheses is that T-Mobile is taking uh, more share from from Verizon than from AT&T. So um, mm. there's, there, there's, there's absolutely, you know, some share shift going on. You know, uh, we've talked about T-Mobile in the past. They've been very aggressive. They've been first to a lot of things, first to stand alone with 5G. Um, they definitely have uh, the best coverage with respect to 5G relative to their uh, tier one peers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it'll just be interesting to see how, uh, you know, kind of things roll out. And I'm wondering, you know, do you have any additional insights you'd like to share? Yeah, um, I was looking at AT&T's earnings pretty closely and I noticed that it seems like their traditional carrier business is doing well. Yes. Um, and they seem to have kind of gotten their act together in that business, which I think they were having some struggling, um, some issues with in the last couple of years. Um, and I think it helps that they have a new CEO has been focusing on that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think both Verizon and AT&T still have these media investments and I'm kind of curious to see how they're going to address them if they are reprioritizing a network and, you know, the network side of things. And, you know, how are they going to better leverage content than they have in the past? Because AT&T has been hemorrhaging on their direct TV acquisition. Mm -hmm. And there were rumors that they might even spin it off or yeah. sell it to somebody. So it, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because both Verizon and AT&T were the ones who really made a big media push mm -hmm. uh, and spent a lot of money on that. And it, I mean, T-Mobile has too, but nowhere near to the degree yeah. that AT&T and Verizon have. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, and when you look at the three tier ones in the US, um, certainly AT&T has the most potential with respect to content when you look at WarnerMedia. And, um, you know, it's no, it's no secret that um, AT&T has been very aggressive launching its, uh, its, its max streaming service and you know, offering things like, you know, access to the latest Wonder Woman movie, both online uh, as it was released in theaters as well. So um, I agree with you. Um, th that's a crown jewel for AT&T. I don't think they've done a great job leveraging that, but moving <laughs> forward, yeah, d based on what you're saying, you know, you're, you're saying, you know, cable companies are hemorrhaging, you know, the Comcast of the world are looking at um, cellular. Um, cellular to diversify its portfolio because they understand, you know, um, the whole the whole content scenario there. And uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be quite interesting to see, you know, what happens. You know, I think, 
you know, T-Mobile, they don't have really a rich library, although I know prior to the merger, Sprint was in a relationship with a, with a streaming service to offer, you know, consumer music and, you know, video content. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, certainly um, I think they can all do a much better job of monitoring that. So we'll, we'll definitely keep our eyes on that. Let's move to your first topic this week, and you want to talk about uh, global uh, smartphone market share. Yeah, so uh, smartphone market share is a thing that's uh, hotly contested and hotly watched by the industry. Uh, and now 5G has become a very crucial element of what smartphone market share looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's really interesting is that we're seeing big jumps uh, and market shifts uh, due to 5G, but also due to sanctions. Um, Huawei's um, market share plunged quite a bit from by 21% actually in 2020 versus 2019. So they really took a big hit. And Samsung also took a hit of about 10%, um, while Apple gained 8%. And Xiaomi gained 17%. And I would say Xiaomi and Samsung have been the most aggressive in implementing 5G. But I also believe that Apple has been too with the iPhone 12 and enabling 5G across all versions of the iPhone 12. So if you look at it, the top vendors are all very much in on 5G now. And 5G has become an aggressive um, component of the smartphone industry's growth in 2020. Um, and, you know, these these numbers uh, have lots of nuance in them, but it's interesting to see that Apple's market share has um, surpassed uh, Samsung's mm-hmm. in global shipments. Mm-hmm. Um, they shipped 90 million uh, phones in Q4, while Samsung shipped 73 million, Xiaomi shipped 43, Oppo shipped 30, three and Huawei came in fifth at 32. Wow. So that's just Q4, but overall 2020, um, it was Samsung still held on to number one place yeah. for the whole year. Uh, Apple had second, Huawei had third, Xiaomi had fourth and Vivo had fifth. So there's been some shifts, some moves. Um, it also has to do with when devices launch, right? When their new devices come out. Um, but yeah, it's been very interesting, and uh, I'm excited to see what 2021 has to hold. Yeah, I agree. And um, you know, I cover infrastructure; you cover end device. Uh, but you know, Apple, you know, Apple's recent earnings were just a blockbuster, right? Totally, the biggest uh, you know, ever. The biggest ever, and you know, certainly there was a lot of pent up demand for that iPhone 12 with the 5G support. In fact, I'll totally. be getting a demo. Uh, of, uh, of, of the new iPhone 12, uh, courtesy of AT&T, so thank you, AT&T. I'll be testing that out. But uh, yeah, it's no surprise, you know, that, 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 you know, that Huawei um, has stumbled. And it's just, you know, it's based on the entity listing, you know, it's, you know, based on, you know, just the fact that they haven't been able to be as competitive, you know, yeah. you know from a supply ship- chain perspective. In Q4 of 2019, they shipped 56.2 million devices, mm-hmm. smart, five, 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 smartphones mostly. Uh, well, this is smartphones, but uh, they went from 56.2 to 32.3, basically yeah. half. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, I've, I've read lots of rumors about, 
you know, bailouts and that sort of thing. I mean, they did offload their their honor line, right? Which is their value line. Which does um, affect shit, which also affects, um, I, I think honor does get counters as part of Huawei's market I, share. I imagine it does. So that probably accounts for a lot of it, but, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of keep tabs on this and see, you know, uh, how things move forward. I mean, Huawei makes a great device. Um, and it's, you know, unfortunately, you know, they've they've been the victim of, um, you know, these sanctions, you know, under the, the previous administration. And there's no real indication that the Biden administration is going to change its stance. But, you know, obviously time will tell. Mm -hmm. But uh, well, let's move on to my second topic. And I want to talk about Ericsson. And they reported earnings this week and uh, they beat expectations. And um, they point to um, lots of 5G wins from an infrastructure perspective. And um, some allude to, um, you know, Huawei's, you know, Huawei's ban uh, as well uh, in the infrastructure space. Um, you know, I was reading, I was doing a little bit of the analysis and, you know, not only, you know, did their revenue beat expectations, but they've gotten their margins now above 40 points mm -hmm. on average, which um, that, that took them almost 10 years to recover. You know, they, they were in the twenties and so they've managed to recover you know, even amid, you know, all the discussion around open RAN and disaggregation and how disruptive that's going to be from, um, you know, a CapEx and an OpEx perspective, but certainly open RAN kind of came late to the 5G party. You know, many, if not all uh, carriers globally were already in the midst of deploying their 5G plan. So in that Forbes article that I wrote a couple of weeks ago with my predictions, um, certainly, we're going to see lots of, you know, proof of concepts with OpenRAN, that sort of thing. Again, um, OpenRAN may not be optimized for performance. And obviously that's pretty critical when you look at, you know, certain applications that require ultra low latency and that sort of thing. But um, it'll be interesting to see if they can continue the momentum because they've been sort of, uh, you know, kind of, you know, peak and valley, you know, sort of over the years. And, you know, I'm wondering, do you have any additional insights you'd like to share there? Yeah, I mean, based on my thoughts of how Ericsson's business works, I don't feel like Ericsson has benefited as much from the Huawei sanctions as, say, Samsung and Nokia have. Mm -hmm. um, because I think a lot of Ericsson's customers um, are customers that they've already had um, that may have just expanded how much Ericsson equipment they buy. Yeah. Um, and I think that Ericsson has not traditionally been in a, an area where they compete with Huawei necessarily on the network infrastructure side mm -hmm. um, because the prices are so different yeah. um, and price is a huge component of that. But I mean, they're still competitive with each other just because they're in the same market. They sell the same equipment. Yeah. Um, they're still going to be, you know, negotiating for the same tenders. Um, but I would also say that I think, what I've noticed is Ericsson has been getting a lot more core wins. And I think those core wins are what's driving a lot of this. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. Um, Nokia reports earnings on February 4th, the same day that T-Mobile does as well. And so I'll probably cover um, some of that in the, the podcast that we conduct next week, but uh, we'll definitely keep our eyes open and, um, you know, um, provide, you know, insight and feedback as things move forward this year. Um, let's move to your second topic. And you want to talk about um, 5G modems and their growth. And that kind of dovetails into you know, your first topic this week, right? 
Yeah, so um, the GSA always puts out um, reports and uh, usually they do a report on chipsets and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they came up with a, um, a 5G chipset update kind of talking about that 5G modems specifically have actually doubled um, in numbers, more than doubled in numbers. So mm-hmm. um, essentially no the, yeah. the number of discrete 5G modems has more than doubled in 2020 and the number of 5G processors and platforms grew ninefold. So um, it, it's basically showing that there's an explosion of 5G devices. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's exponential in growth. Yeah. And that makes total sense, I think, to anyone who's been you know, watching the market grow in 2020 and mm-hmm. seeing how it started and how little the pandemic really affected 5G's growth. In yeah. fact, it may have even been a boosting effect. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I view that as, you know, like future investment protection, you know, as, you know, people are, you know, upgrading, you know, their devices, you know, they want the latest and greatest. And I had this conversation um, with um, my girlfriend's mother in Kansas City. And, uh, you know, I was telling her, you know, it's like, you know, you, you may not feel like, you know, you need um, 5G. She probably doesn't even understand what it's all about, but that that's just going to provide you with future investment protection as new services come online and that sort of thing. So, yeah, no, no, no surprise. I mean, 2020 really laid the, the, the foundation of Bedrock from my perspective, from a device, per, you know, standpoint. Mm-hmm. And as we enter this year, it's I think it's only going to accelerate further. So. Um, the GSA, you know, GSMA as well, they all provide lots of important, you know, kind of data points and that sort of thing to sort of point to these inflections in the market. And mm-hmm. uh, I think we'll continue to see that ramp, you know, certainly through okay. this year. Yeah. So let's move to my third topic this week. And um, I want to talk about Dell Technologies. Um, they've partnered with, uh, with VMware and, you know, obviously VMware is part of the portfolio there. Mm-hmm. Um, and SK Telecom, and we've talked about SK Telecom on prior podcasts, a very innovative carrier in the South Korean market. They've all come together to uh, deliver a simplified platform uh, around mobile edge computing. And what they're calling it is the one box mech. And um, what, what they're trying to do is sort of simplify that deployment and make it super simple. And so obviously SK Telecom is the carrier that's participating in this uh, collaboration. I'm sure this is gonna get extended out um, uh, to other carriers as well. It was interesting, um, they did commission a report, it was called the STL Partner Study, and we can provide that link um, on, on you know at the end of the podcast here, but commissioned by all three companies as well as Intel, and, you know, they verified information that we're already quite aware of, you know, 40% of enterprises surveyed had issues with latency on their current networks, 61% mm-hmm. of those surveyed experienced performance issues, and uh, they also, um, you know, surveyed hospitals for patient monitoring systems, 45%, I mean, almost half expressed concerns over reliability, and if you think about that in a healthcare setting, and, you know, given what, you know, our healthcare professionals are having to deal with with COVID-19, that's simply unacceptable. So I think this is a great opportunity to sort of simplify that. I mean, mobile edge computing can be very complicated. 
you know, and where do enterprises start? And so I think, you know, Dell Technologies and VMware are bringing a solution to market that's going to help with that. So any, any additional thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I've been working with Dell Technologies for a long time. Um, and, you know, I've been paying attention to a lot of the VMware momentum on Mac and yeah. in general 5G. And it seems like it makes sense to have, I mean, this is a combination I think that, that is one of the reasons why Dell Technologies has been so successful as a company. Mm -hmm. And they're basically taking advantage of Dell Technologies hardware experience and knowledge and carrier infrastructure and, and VMware's knowledge and experience in carrier infrastructure and combining it as a complete solution. And there just aren't very many companies in the world that have the ability to do that other than Ericsson and Nokia. Yeah. So it's very interesting to see more competition coming to market with the advent of 5G. And I hope to see more, more of this from other companies that really allows choice and innovation in, in the Mac space, because I think it's going to be necessary for, for it to prices to come down to a point where it's viable for CSPs and others to make the investment. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, our firm did a multi-part series on who was leading in 5G. That was back in 2018, 2019. I looked at infrastructure providers. I looked at the traditional guys like the Ericsson's, Nokia's, uh, Huawei's of the world, and then looked at folks like Dell EMC, Lenovo, Cisco, that are taking more of a disaggregated approach to things to sort of drive that, that CapEx line. Um, keep your eyes on Dell Technologies. Um, they're doubling down on their telco. Um, go to market. I think you're going to see a lot more come from them. I'll also mention HPE as well. Um, their telco team um, is doing some pretty, you know, amazing things, you know, with respect to sort of simplifying 5G. And, and also all of this bodes really well for private networking. And that's one of the aims of this, this partnership between the three um, companies is, you know, to, to enable, you know, the rapid deployment of, of private 5G networking. So, um, I think it's exciting. I think to your point, it provides a, a, an alternative path choice and it's just going to provide more, you know, flexibility for operators to deploy um, what's, what's a pretty complicated scenario. So with that, let's move to your third and final topic this week. With earnings, you know, the earnings seasons comes all of the claims around performance and who's leading, right? And you want to talk about some carrier shenanigans. So I'll let you take it. Yeah, so um, how do I put this? Every carrier <laughs> as claims of, are the fastest. Right? This month claims are the <laughs> fastest 5G network in the country. Yeah. Um, so generally speaking, there's three companies that most people trust to give network performance statistics. Mm -hmm. um, those are Open Signal. Mm -hmm. Uh, root metrics and uh, Ookla speed test. Um, now, root metrics does not take user data. Um, they generate data themselves. Yeah. Um, they drive around in their own little vehicles, right? Correct. And open signal, open signal takes user data as as well as speed test. So, um, open signal and Ookla in my opinion, have more user data, mm -hmm. um, but there, there are opportunities for the data to be flawed. Yeah. Um, and Rootmetrics 
is not real user data, it's real world data. Um, but I will say that from my experience, Rootmetrics has a history of giving Verizon wins. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might be their methodology. Um, and that's the thing with this situation right now, we have three different um, operators claiming to be the fastest 5G network, when in reality, um, I think it's very close. And I think that may be why we see this because as Verizon rolled out their DSS low band to give coverage to their 5G users, it really brought down, yeah. it brought their performance down significantly, right? Because they were, they were really leveraging millimeter wave. And T-Mobile is starting to roll out their mid band, which is bringing them down from their, their 600 megahertz low band and is, is propping up their speeds. And then you have AT&T who's kind of been sitting in the middle the whole time. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting because now it's like, okay, so we got open signal saying AT&T is the fastest. I'm sorry, open signal saying T-Mobile is the fastest. Then we have Ookla saying AT&T is the fastest. And then we have Rootmetrics saying Verizon is the fastest. Mm-hmm. And in reality, I'd say it's a wash at this point. Yeah. But I do believe that in the long term, and by long term, I mean this year, I think T-Mobile is going to blow all of them away. Um, And it's gonna be because they're already deploying their 2.5 gigahertz network. And from what I've seen on their network in San Diego, it's not even officially launched here yet. Um, I'm seeing anywhere from 300 to 600 megabits per second. And that's very fast. Um, And if that becomes the regular for T-Mobile's users, AT&T and Verizon will will have nothing to compete with. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's going to be interesting. AT&T and Verizon are obviously bidding on C-band, mid-band spectrum, um, as we've discussed before. But that's going to probably take at least a year because that auction hasn't even ended yet. So... Um, and there's the clearing process and then there's the build out. So realistically, they probably won't start building out for another year and a half. And then they probably won't have it fully deployed for another two years. So they're they're behind and they know it. And that's why they're spending the money. But nevertheless, at this moment, at this moment in time, which is really what these things are, at this moment in time, I would say the carriers are kind of even. But I think this year it will most likely be T-Mobile's year. Yeah. And the other thing to note, too, is, you know, T-Mobile was first to stand alone. And, you know, for our viewers and listeners, that's marrying that 5G core with that 5G RAN. And that delivers the true benefit of, of 5G versus well, non-standalone. Yeah. Exactly, versus non-standalone, which is that interim step where the carriers are going out there and they're first upgrading those, those towers, the radio access network to 5G, and then bringing the core online. And so... You know, not that, you know, AT&T and uh, Verizon won't, you know, eventually catch up and deploy standalone. They will, but T-Mobile definitely has the lead there. So I would tend to agree with you. It'll be interesting to see how it, you know, sort of all um, shakes out. If, you know, AT&T or Verizon, you know, infuse those deployments, you know, it requires lots of diversification, which is quite expensive. They might write the big checks to, to catch up. But yeah, I would... At this point in the year, you know, it is just we're entering February. I, I would tend to kind of tip my hat to T-Mobile, but it'll interesting to see how you know things sit, you know, six months from now. So one of the things you mentioned standalone, and uh, one the re- one thing I wanted to pull up, I have it on my phone here. Um, this is a speed test 
uh, of T-Mobile's low band 5G. This is not millimeter wave, which millimeter wave has great latency, but yeah, this is low band. And I have 17 millisecond ping on this device. What the screen just crazy. Off. But that 17 crazy. millisecond ping, that's, that's like wired connection latency. Yeah. Uh, and, and just for just for our viewers, you know, in an LTE world, that 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 latency has been about fifty milliseconds, right? So that's a that's dramatic improvement. Yeah, I can game on that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's unbelievable at that spectrum band. And so. I, really, I was looking through my speed test results a couple of days ago, just thinking about it. Like, okay, what is it really now after the launch? Mm -hmm. It's low twenties, high teens most of the time, and that's just that changes how applications are utilized. So I, I think it'll be really, I, I really hope to see Verizon and AT&T roll out their, their standalone very soon. Yeah, no, I, and, and they will, you know, it's just a matter of time. So, but hey, buddy, another great podcast this week. Why don't you take us home? Absolutely. We hope our viewers and listeners found this week's topics interesting. If anyone out there would like to reach out to us and provide a specific insight on a specific 5G topic for a future podcast, please reach out to us on social media Will is at Will Town Tech, and I'm at Anshel Sog. We hope you have a great weekend, and please tune in again next time.